This call is now being recorded. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who come from around the world to listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And today I have Colleen Murrow joining me. And Colleen has written a new book called Spiritual Telepathy. Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul. Good day to you, Colleen. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth. Um, this is a wonderful book. I've read the book, and I really, really got a lot out of it. And for my listeners, I'm going to let you just know a tad bit about Colleen. Colleen has 30 years of experience in magazine publishing. She actually wrote a magazine or was the publisher of a magazine called Intuitive magazine and a lifelong interest in untapping powers of the mind. In 1988, she launched this intuition magazine. I said intuitive, sorry, pardon me, uh, which offered research on how information on ways of knowing uh, such as intuition, inspiration, telepathy uh, for the general reader. So she's got a plethora of background on what we would call spiritual telepathy. And Colleen, let me just start off this. You know, you mentioned in the foreword of the book that it is about the hidden potential, that this book is about the hidden potential of the human mind and that the techniques come from ageless wisdom. Can you tell us from which the ageless wisdom you're drawing from, because you reference it in the book, um, that you're drawing from to help our listeners um, improve not only their intuition, but really making spiritual connection and uh, thus, you know, evolving as beings on this planet. Sure. The information on spiritual telepathy comes from a body of knowledge called the Aegis Wisdom, as you mentioned. And it's also called the Esoteric or Mystery Teachings. It was mm -hmm. once taught in the ancient mystery schools in Egypt, Greece, Babylon, and India and first put into book form by the Hindu sage Patanjali, who wrote the book, the classic book, The Yoga Sutras. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered in researching this topic is that this is the core teaching that exists at the heart of all of our spiritual traditions. It's a universal doctrine that you can find in the East and the West. And it teaches how we can use the mind as a tool to access the higher worlds. We can go beyond the physical worlds and access the subtle worlds when we, we undergo this training. Interesting. And obviously, there's lots of esoteric trainings out there. And you mentioned that we're, and I know I've interviewed Barbara Marks Hubbard about this as well, that as a species, we're evolving to something that you refer to as a soul-aligned human being. What, in your estimation, is a soul-aligned human being? And why do you think at this point in history, this exact point in history, that there's this convergence that's actually happening um, as a society, as a universe, as a global population. When we make contact with the soul, we take our first steps into the subtle worlds, and we cross the boundary between human and superhuman development. And those of us who take this step are the pioneers who will lead the, the way from one stage of our species evolution to the next. Barbara talks about this a lot. In one of her books, she writes that those of us on Earth today are the crossover generation, that uh -huh. we are responsible for leading the way 
to this next step in our evolution. And Eckhart Tolle talks about this too, but he talks about it in more stark terms. He says that as a species, we have the choice to evolve or die. They both say that evolution happens as a result of some sort of crisis that propels or forces us to make a leap forward. Toll uses the example of an amphibian who's forced to develop the ability to live on land after its habitat dries up. Our own habitat is in trouble now, and we're faced with the same need. Our world is full of conflict. We have weapons that can easily extinguish the human race. So we need to make that leap not onto land but into the subtle worlds. And when we do this, everything changes. When we make contact with the soul, we realize that we're part of a great universal life, the soul of humanity. And we lose that personal ambition and ego and start to work for the greater good. So you can imagine what would happen if a critical mass of people made this shift. Well, you'd obviously have a lot of people working toward the greater good. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping what's happening because it is truly, really a wonderful time in history to live. Yet there's this unique balance between what's going on here. In other words, uh, the degradation of the planet and the environment and the challenges that we're facing, and yet our opportunity as a species to evolve beyond that and to become more humanistic, to reach out to others, to help more people. Now, you state that the teachings of Aegis Wisdom tell us that our universe consists of seven planes of frequencies. And Ken Wilbur, Ken Wilbur is probably one of the one of the most uh, written person that I've read in this area about frequencies of consciousness. What are the seven and why are they important? Well, this is sort of a, a standard um, part of the Ageless Wisdom teachings. And before I wrote this book, I thought very carefully about how I wanted to present this material because it is very esoteric. And I wanted this book to reach an audience beyond those that read usually read esoteric books. Mm-hmm. And so to make it credible to this wider audience, I studied world religions and discovered that each of these um, pieces of esoteric philosophy are actually found in all of our spiritual traditions and that science is backing it up. The um, Aegis Wisdom tells us that there are seven planes or frequencies, the physical, emotional, mental, buddhic, spiritual, and then two divine planes above. And um, it's sort of a a map of our evolutionary journey. And where we have um, come to so far is the physical, emotional, and mental. And we're right at that that, um, threshold or gateway to the higher worlds. And we have to be able to build a bridge between where we are now, which is the mental plane, and the soul plane. And we Uh do that through a type of meditation we call creative meditation. Okay. So this creative meditation is the way to kind of build it. But can you briefly mention these seven planes so that um, our listeners have some idea of what they are? I know they're articulated in the book. Mm -hmm. Well, physical, of course, mental and emotional. We know about that. The buddhic plane is considered the soul plane. The spiritual plane is considered the plane of nirvana. And it's those five planes that are our human evolutionary journey. And when we reach the spiritual plane, then the human has become divine and our evolutionary process is complete. And the divine planes above are the divine planes that essentially keep the whole world going. They're the spiritual planes beyond what our human evolution will take us. Okay. Now, one of the things that as species evolve, we're obviously evolving with our intuition and our telepathy, and this is called spiritual telepathy. 
And you speak about three types of telepathy. What are they? What do we need to know about them and to understand them and to tap into them? Well, the lowest is instinctual or feeling-based telepathy. And we share this type of telepathy with the animal kingdom. And it's Uh still used as a means of communication in indigenous cultures. The second is mental or mind-to-mind telepathy. And the highest is spiritual or soul-to-soul telepathy. What I like about this teaching is that it illustrates the progression of our perceptual abilities from the instinct of early man to the intellect of modern man to the pure intuitive knowing of future man. And again, we're right at that doorway where we can take that step beyond the physical world and into the subtle superhuman worlds. And you might um, define telepathy as direct communication from the subtle worlds, from our souls or from higher beings. And when we practice spiritual telepathy, we have the ability to be in direct communication with the soul at will. And the information and communication from the subtle levels is always telepathic. We don't really hear audibly the information. It's just dropped into our brains where it's interpreted and and used. And so one of the things you talk about is refining it. And you call Mm -hmm. it this refinement process. How do our listeners refine this process of the physical, emotional, and mental states that we're in? Because, you know, we're jumping in between all of these all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, this is really important, and it's really the first step. It's the preliminary step. And I had a lot of problems with this myself, and so I wrote about that in the book, figuring that if it was hard for me, it would be hard for a lot of people. We need to create a direct line of communication between the soul, the mind, and the brain. And to do this, we need to purify the body and quiet our minds and emotions. If we have an illness, if we're tired, and especially if we have mental or emotional static, it'll make it hard for our brains to register the higher wisdom. And what I discovered is that refinement practices are also a part of all of our spiritual traditions. The methods vary from tradition to tradition, but the requirements and goals are exactly the same. Purity of body, control of the emotions, and stability of mind. And in the book, I included the refinement practices that have helped me the most. What I discovered is when I got really serious about quieting myself down, that I had a lot of unresolved emotional issues that bubbled up. Excuse me, and this happens a lot. Jack Kornfield talks about this too. He said that when he began to teach meditation, he discovered that at least half of his students were unable to master the basic concentration exercises because they had so much unresolved emotional stuff Uh that bubbled uh up. Yeah. So he's been a real pioneer in bringing Western psychotherapy into Eastern contemplative practice. Well, just just even quieting the mind, Colleen, that's one of the biggest issues is just to quiet yeah, the absolutely. mind to sit in meditation. Absolutely. <laughs> we live in such an always-on environment for most people that, you know, the practice of meditation is, yes, about focus, about letting all those thoughts go through. But mm-hmm. I think people are so inundated with the amount of stuff that they're dealing with on this physical plane. Um, Mm -hmm. that it's hard for them to break through to that spiritual side. That's what I'm talking about here. Oh, I agree totally. And here's what I found is that in most meditation practices, the focus is on quieting the mind. But it actually works better if we work from the bottom up. If we take care of our bodies, if we purge our emotional trash, it becomes easier to quiet the mind. And uh, I had a whole uh, chapter on this because it's so important. I actually worked with a spiritual healer. I needed some help with this because I had so much stuff. I didn't realize I had so much because I'd done so much therapeutic work over the years, but I discovered there's lots of people that I needed to forgive, and, you know, I just had a lot coming up. 
So I worked with this wonderful healer, and he gave me three meditations to do morning, noon, and night. One was on forgiveness, one Uh was on loving kindness, and one was on compassion. And Uh so I did these over and over and over, and I really started to quiet down, and my heart started to open more, and it was really a necessary first step for me, and I think that's the case for a lot of us. Now, so you mentioned that this is really about, you state that this rainbow bridge or this bridge of light is the link between heaven and earth. And that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for that serenity, that peace, that wonderfulness that comes out making that link. You know, uh, we as we live in this physical plane, it can be very dense. It can be very hard. It can be very challenging. And so having that link so that we know that the afterlife and the afterworld is bringing so much more richness to us. How would you advise our listeners to construct this bridge? Well, it's a daily practice of what we call creative meditation. And many meditation practices focus just on quieting the mind. In this type of meditation, we go a step further, and we actively train the mind to transmit information from the soul to the brain. And again, the information has to reach the brain to become part of our conscious awareness. It's in the same way that our homes are wired for telephone and Internet connection. This kind of meditation allows us to create the threads and cables that link us to the higher worlds. And we create these cables by projecting our attention upward to the soul day after day. We visualize the soul as a star about six inches above our heads. And as we do this, we anchor small threads of energy that will eventually, thread by thread, form a symbolic bridge between the mind, the brain, and the soul. The bridge is called the Rainbow Bridge or the Bridge of Light in the Wisdom Teachings. It's called the Antakarana in the Hindu text, and it's called the Straight or Narrow Gate in the New Testament. It's a discipline. It's a daily practice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's really about our spiritual practices, obviously, every day. It's about our meditation practice, which is part of it. It's about quieting the mind. It's about many different things, but obviously you talk about them. Uh, I find for me journaling, writing, all kinds of things work, but it's a series of things. Now you say when we make contact with the soul, we take our first step into this spiritual kingdom. What are some of the ways that, you know, we are preparing to make this connection with the soul? We've talked about meditation. We've talked about quieting the mind. We've talked about these practices. Do you have any other ways that we really can listen Um, and intuit, one, and two, make sure discernment. How do we discern that the voice that's talking to us is the right voice? That's a really good question. And I have, I read a wonderful article that Corrine McLaughlin wrote, and I included some of this in the book, that she writes that we really have to be careful with with the information that we receive. And we can sort of test it out. For me, it's just sort of a a felt experience. I kind of know if it's real or not. But she she said that we need to test it out um, asking ourselves if it's information that really serves our greater good, if it serves the higher purpose of our lives, and if it um, gives us or allows us to maintain our free will. It's never directive in telling us that we have to do something. It's just guidance that we can we can act on or not. So Uh we have to really check that out. For me, again, it's just a feeling. I kind of know if I'm getting something that's really from the soul. And again, it's a knowing, it's an intuition. It's something that happens through practice. Um, And I think also when you have a question, and I just heard this from a previous author that I interviewed with this morning, 
to ask the source, the, she called it the chief spiritual officer, the CSO, to ask the CSO, continue to ask questions until you're sure. Um, I thought that was a good way to, to create more discernment in that direction. Um, now, you also speak about this new group of world servers. Um, why do you believe that this is emerging and how can people get involved in being part of a new world that's serving? We talked about that in a question previously about what's happening with the evolution in society and that hopefully we're going out to not only help heal, but make this planet a better place for everybody. Well, probably everybody that's listening is part of this group, whether they think of it in those terms or not. It said that the first um, sign of soul contact is the impulse to be of service because, again, we find our place within a greater whole and we start to lose that personal ambition and want to serve the greater good, the greater whole. And so through that contact with the soul, we start to filter in and get information about our place in the evolutionary journey and what we can do to serve the greater good. And I have a lot of stories in the book. I wanted the book to be very how-to because this subject is often presented just in theory. So I created a step-by-step -step process that included a lot of stories from people that have um, practiced these meditations. And there's wonderful stories in that last chapter about people who really did get in touch with their higher purpose and how it unfolded for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, the, the book is, it's, no, I tell my listeners, I want to tell them, the book is an easy read. Um, the book is really, really well done. Um, it gives you, as I say, a plethora of information, places to go, practices, things to do, um, quite informative. Where do you want to guide our listeners, uh, Colleen, with relation to connecting with you, your website, the book, uh, YouTube videos, anything that you might have out there that you're trying to help people understand more about uh, the sure. book and your teachings? Sure. I have a website. It's spiritualtelepathy.net. And if people go to the website, they can read the introduction to the book. And there's links to uh, the, the book on Amazon. There's also back issues of Intuition Magazine that people can check out. Great, great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and spending a little bit of time with our listeners speaking about your new book called Spiritual Telepathy, Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul. And uh, we've been on with Colleen Moreau. And Colleen's the author of this book. And again, as she said, you can go to her website. Uh, repeat that for us again. The website is? SpiritualTelepathy.net. Dot .net, not .com. So right. SpiritualTelepathy.net. All right, Colleen, uh, blessings to you. And thank you for this time and your information about your book and the techniques and the processes that you'd have people actually start to practice um, to more, I don't know, use their intuition, get in touch with their soul, um, build this rainbow bridge as we talked about. All of those things are articulated in the book. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me.